This podcast you're about to listen to is a controlled experiment using trained intellectual monkeys. The following episode is one of the infinite debates these monkeys have had. Remember that these are the opinions of real monkeys and may not reflect the opinions of the highly trained human scientists in charge. And most importantly, no monkeys were harmed in the making of this podcast. We get to actually have to actively listen versus just going directly (laughs) into our brains. Tyler, you make excellent points. (laughs) Thank you, Teo. I I know that I do. We look insane talking to a keyboard. talk about uh, a topic that uh, that uh, we're gonna find out shortly and uh, yeah I'm very excited to uh, talk to you guys today um, just to just see see what's going on you guys uh, how's it going uh, Tyler what's up well I've had like a uh, I've had an interesting week my week for the most part it's been pretty good it's been pretty chill you know working uh, doing uh, Things at work, research going good, getting a manuscript in the process of uh, being published. Um, but then, you know, you try not to go on the internet. Because when you go on the internet, you get really mad at the internet. You get really heated. Um, huh. Where, like, so, like, you, for, like, it, it, we have this, you know, our, our group chat going on. And you, Gunner, are usually talking about um, music. You're talking about art and uh, <coughs> things like that. Excuse me. But... The, the art. Um, <laughs> so, so it was like I'm sitting, I'm sitting there, and and and, and like I'm just doing work or uh, watching a movie. Next thing I know, I have 67 text messages of being like, "Yeah, let's talk about like chord theory." And I'm like, "What are you guys talking about?" Um, but the right. the the random time um, this week it was one of the very few times that I went on a rant where then essentially you and uh, Teo didn't talk, and it was the um, that. That uh, thing where it was like recently was at the University of Duke, I think. Um, they ended up, long story short, um, some professor there was saying how people couldn't, um, uh, people who speak foreign languages shouldn't speak foreign language in, the, in, in, in Duke University only because, you know, if an employer overhears that um, you're not fluent in English that might affect your job prospects and this then ended up like having them release a public statement where they were essentially like yeah so we just want to make sure that all our students um, we can guarantee them that if you speak your language and not English at our university that it will not affect your job prospects at all and I was in there being like this has nothing like you do you are not every employer ever you can't guarantee that um, because like if I was a job interview and I do all my business in English and you, and you, and you came into 
my job and you could not speak very fluent or at least basic English and you're sitting there doing, uh, like saying you're applying for my marketing job, you wouldn't be the best candidate because all my clients are English. It, it, didn't, it didn't really make any sense. Um, so I, you know, sent you guys 67 messages about that. And then essentially, besides Gunner saying lol, <laughs> none of you interacted with my conversation at all. <laughs> I like discussions about art. <laughs> yeah, no, it's, uh, yeah, we definitely just have uh, art conversations. And when you try to bring up some something close to your heart, we don't really like it bite that I, much I, I basically feel like you guys hate me at all times because <laughs> you're sitting there like well oh. i kind of i talked for a little bit about uh about that and i actually looked into like what they were what they were saying in regards to that and uh it was kind of like not really that big of a deal what what they were saying and it just sounded like fake news so i was just like fuck off tyler I am glad that Tyler is doing well. <laughs> but yes, ultimately, nothing of super interest happened this week. I'm just chilling. I'm just chilling. How about you, Gunner? Yeah, I'm, I'm about the same. Yeah, it's kind of, it's getting cold recently. That polar vortex, right? It is snowing this morning. Yeah, no, it was, it was yeah, snowing where you are, too. That's cool. Um, yeah, we were, woke up and it was like minus 10 or something. See, the weird thing, really cold. the weird thing is like Toronto was like negative 30. Is it like a polar vortex in all of Canada? Well, Canada's just a cold place, right? I'm chilly. But like, <laughs> but like, is it like, is, is, is it supposed to be like polar vortex? I heard that from people in Toronto and here at the same time. Where is this vortex? I, yeah, I think it's like a massive system, kind of like El Nino or something that comes and hits every once in a while. And it's like the day after tomorrow in New York, just like freezing everywhere. Yeah. So it's cold. So other than that, other than the cold, I'm doing really good. But man, it was like people are dying from it. There was like some med student or something I heard in Chicago or something. He froze to death. Fucking cold. But did he not have an interior to live in? How do you freeze to death? I have no idea. I think he was probably drunk. <laughs> that, you know, that that makes sense. Like drinking, passing out and then freezing. <laughs> I've I never thought about that. Uh yeah so i'm pretty chill gunners and making beats uh tell you how about you what have you what have you been uh what have you been up to what was your breakfast like uh the, the this morning i i ate some i ate some it's eggs now I, I didn't freeze these eggs i just ate eggs i'm i'm, I'm going for like a pretty I'm, I'm trying to have small breakfasts you know yeah you, you know what you know what was uh you know what i've realized that i used to like overeat breakfast and so like now um i only eat uh or not only eat i basically have my smoothie and then i have a just my coffee i used to have breakfast after that guess what if i, if I actually have to add to how my week's going apparently i lost like two and a half pounds in over the last two weeks is that a good thing for you is that like a goal you're trying to do is lose uh not, weight ne- or? not not necessarily lose weight but like um uh, I, I've, I've kind of struggled in the past where it was like, uh, I, I was fairly, uh, large, large, like skinny fat kid in mm-hmm. high school. Um, that basically delved into when I finished high school, I then didn't eat enough and I essentially got borderline, borderline underweight. I don't think it was borderline anorexia, but it was like one pound for being underweight. I was like 150 pounds, six feet or something like that. I think it was 145 pounds mm-hmm. at my lightest. 
Um, and then uh, this last kind of kind of since January, I've I. I mean, I've been going to the gym like every day, like I usually do. I go to the gym for about an hour every day. How do you do that? That's crazy. Like that's one thing I cannot drag myself to the gym like at all. I think all. I understand well, what you're saying. Well, like it's not it's not okay. So me and Teo kind of have like a a a a easy an easy regime. Yeah. I think yours is actually really hard because like Teo, what does he do? He he runs every day, yeah. right? Or I think that's what he's been doing since uh, New Year's. Yeah. Right. Um. So. Uh, Teo does his running for fully agree with you for 20, 30 minutes. And he's been saying that he's been doing good. Um, and Gunner, on the other hand, like you, you're, you're, you can't go to the gym. Like you could run, but you're on the top of a hill. Like you're, I actually can't run. You also can't run because your legs all, your ankles all messed up. Um, but where I realized that one of, if I ever, move um again like if I finish my phd i need to move um i want to be within like a block or two of a gym because i think that's the only reason why i do it because mm-hmm. when you can walk to it within five minutes there is um there's like almost no excuse you're sitting there on the couch you're like man i don't really want to the gym but it's like five minutes away and it'll only really take me 40 minutes if i want to get a half hour workout so it's like the proximity makes yeah. it way more appealing yeah i agree with you like I don't, I don't want to get into a, like, cause I remember when I was in like uh, Vancouver, I didn't want to ever get into a car to go to the gym. Mm-hmm. That just kind of sucked. Tyler, you make excellent points. <laughs> Thank you, got uh, Teo. Um, the the the, uh, yeah, and so so like you know I'm in grad studies and I basically just say this is my hour I'm going to put aside in the evening. Um, and I will pretty much not let any plans get in the way of going to the gym for 30 to an hour, 30 minutes to an hour. So you just schedule a time that you're like, this is, this yeah. is what's going to happen. And, and what I've realized, like for me, like mentally, how it, how it kind of helps me is, um, a lot of people think that grad studies is overwhelming or super hard, but I think that just kind of comes from p- people having like a non-committed work life balance because it's very easy to, it, at eight, when you have a job like uh a phd or a master's science is endless Mm -hmm. you 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 have um you have these concepts that you can literally work on them 24 hours a day and you can without even getting into the argument of you know whether or not that'll make you get good discoveries because you won't have rationally thought of your next step um but just so ignoring that and just kind of going with the notion that um you can pretty much always work. It's one of the only jobs where it's like you you don't run out. Um, I think that a lot of people forget that they they have to set a hard limit on when they stop working. Mm-hmm. So so for me, um, I wake up at uh, I wake up at six, uh, do my morning routine until about eight eight thirty nine, um, and then head into head into work. I work until five o'clock ish, depending on when I get in. Um, and then I pretty much say from five onward, I'm not doing work. And that's a very conscious decision I make. And even if I have the urge to, to pull something open, I won't. Um, the, the, the only time I will is if like, like, uh, I actually have a deadline on Monday at nine 30, which kind of annoys me. I really hate that deadline, but, mm-hmm. 
Um, yeah, first thing in the morning. You're not yeah, it's wrong. like so. It, so it's like I, I I basically have to work on the weekend just because I don't have any time to do any wrapping up in the morning, which I which totally sucks. Huh. But because I have, um, but because I make this conscious thing of I'm not stopping and doing these graduate studies after five, um, then I that gives me roughly. I go to bed around like 10-ish. So that gives me about one hour. So I use about one hour to go to the gym. Um, and I have no commute time. So it's 10 minutes of that is getting to and from the gym. Um, out of one hour. So it's Yeah, like which you're like, admittedly, that's so nice. That's like for me in the university right now. It's yeah. like not much of a commute yeah. to work. Um, where Yeah, so you to get to the gym is 20 minutes to get to, get, to roll down a hill, yeah. essentially. Um, and, then the, and then the other two to three hours is usually me cooking something so i kind of balance my life by saying i'm going i I set time aside for the gym every day and i make myself a meal and usually i try to prepare or stagger my meals in a way where i you know i know you hate gunner you you, i think you hate leftovers is that what you're saying at some point you don't hate leftovers yeah they have to be like really i don't know some leftovers really suck but some are really good yeah like i made um what is that? Panay the other day. And those hold really well for leftovers. Like pastas? Yeah, pasta. But other than that, I'm not a big fan. So, yeah. So, like, yeah, there are there are some. And so, yeah, there are definitely uh, uh, dinners or that suck as leftovers. So what I usually do, like, is, is, is on sun, like, for example, on Sunday, I'll usually make a soup. And on Wednesday, I'll make a pasta. Mm-hmm. And that'll usually last me. So I'm, I, I have that for dinner on the Sunday or the Wednesday. But then that gives me lunch on Monday, Tuesday. And then subsequently gives me lunch on Thursday, Friday which personally for me allows me to pretty much never buy fast food. I think I understand like, what you're saying. Yeah. So it's, it's nice. I, and, and for me, yeah. um, this, this ends up leading it so that I can, um, eat healthy, work out every day. And then because now I'm not eating overeating in the morning, um, I'm just happening to lose weight, but it's not like I'm losing muscle mass. Mm-hmm. I'm just yeah, losing. Yeah, you keep working out and you're eating, right? So it's. Yeah, like, I, like I'm just using, pretty, pretty much I'm using, losing it all for my stomach, which is nice because like, I'm not going to lie, like kind of growing up, um, I have a fairly wide chest mm-hmm. um, depth, I guess. Not wide as in left and right. Um, thick barrel chest. Yeah, I have a thick chest. <laughs> <laughs> um, it's one of the few <laughs> things that are thick on my body. <laughs> but... <laughs> the 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 i i usually always felt that like you know there's going to be no way that i can actually lose my tummy so it kind of it kind of looked weird because it's like i have this thick barrel chest but my tummy was the same width mm-hmm. so it kind of gives me some weird proportions so i've been kind of noticing like this two and a half pounds i've lost uh it's definitely slimming that area thermodynamics yeah, that's, yeah, that's, that's, that's that's how calories work, right? <laughs> that's exactly. <laughs> calories are just the heating of your body that you convert some sort of chemical energy into heat energy. Yeah, you got to get like that deficit or whatever, caloric deficit, and then you'll inevitably lose weight. Yeah, it's interesting. It's, no, I, I, can't, uh, I can't seem to hold myself to any kind of schedule for for working out. I just don't care. But it's one thing I want to try to do because I feel like it's a it's an excuse to say, oh, well, it's 20 minutes down the hill. Um, so don't work out. Like, yeah. it's working out so easy as just going out and picking up something out on the street, right? Yeah. Like, the... And, like, that's... And, and, and the other thing is, like, since some people say it's like, well, I can get rid of that excuse by working out at home. 
I've never been able to get a work habit at home. It's like, yeah, it, it yeah. does not work. Like I have weights, free weights. I used to have like a chest, pr- like an entire like home gym at my place in Vancouver. It just, I just never used it. Cause I'm like, uh, I can do that at nine o'clock at night. Um, <laughs> never end up doing it. Yeah. Never ever. Um, yeah. now the, the thing that I'm, uh, curious about is like for you is there a reason why you don't work out oh i'm just lazy but like is that like a priority for you it's it's like a priority to be like healthy and stuff but we're not like trying to gain a bunch of muscle or anything really i'm not trying to be like jacked fucking guy steroided out or anything like that that's not ever been a goal of mine um but you know just being being able to defend yourself that's kind of like the the benchmark I set, which so yeah. like if you can if you can beat up maybe like seventy percent of people, then you're then you're all right. That's 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 such a that's such a that's such a like person coming from like a poverty small town <laughs> mentality. If I can beat up seventy percent of my town, I'm good. Well, then that's you just all. flex hard on that seventy percent, and then usually that top thirty percent, they kind of like oh, I don't want it because yeah. it's like Wolverine at that point. You don't want to risk it. Yeah. As a grizzly bear. I mean, I agree. Like, that. like if I if I if I had my own business, how I'd run it. Yeah. Just like get out of line. I just gotta be. I just gotta be able to beat up seventy percent of my company. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. Just buy them out, or just fucking fight them. That's actually funny because my dad had this uh, this old thing back in the day where he would. Uh, <laughs> Where's this going? <laughs> it's entertaining. He had this uh, this this I guess company uh, strategy of getting you to work hard, or I don't know what it was. But he would get a um, like a fire fire hose, and he would attach it. Yeah, okay, I know where on, this is going now. On on the same like attach it to itself, so it made a loop, and then he would lay it down on the ground, so it would be a circle. And so he oh, was not where I did not know where no, this is going. No, this isn't where you thought it was going at all. It's guaranteed not. And so he would um, challenge his workers. Because he wanted to, you know, instill toughness into them. He would hire a lot of like 16-year-old, 17-year-old kids. <laughs> it sounds fucked up. Because he was like 50 in, <laughs> in the day, 40, 50-year-old guy. He's basically making a fight club chicken fighting <laughs> ring for 16-year-olds. Like, like, yeah, like, well, maybe they weren't 15, 16, but like 18, 19, young, young men. And this is his, his man-making fucking uh, uh, challenge here. So he would he would take his employees and he would challenge them that if they could knock him out of that ring, then he would give them a raise. So he would give them, I think, like maybe 10 cents or something like that's that. That's such a weird, like for me, that is such, like, that's kind of cool. It's dope. It was the 80s, right? So yeah. it was a different time. Like, yeah. Times like, have changed so quickly. So it was my, the, the reason why. 70s, 80s. My, I don't my, know when it was. My 90s. only concern with that is I like uh before i moved here because i like this is the one thing that i wish i could do that i don't have enough time to do like because i work out and i cook um is before coming here i pretty much did uh jujitsu three to four times a week and i don't think i've talked about that on the podcast um but i did that for a long time and uh you know, a lot of celebrities do that. Like Joe Rogan does it. Um, yeah, jujitsu. It's supposed to be a really good, like, just way to get in tune yeah. with how your body moves yeah, and stuff. Yeah, it's so good. Like, huh. um, it, I, I've, like, a lot of my, when I did it, um, I, I lost a lot of crepitus in my body. What and is like that? I had, crepitus. Um, so when you move your, when you move your limbs, if you hear that cracking. 
Yeah. Um, that's crepitus. All the fucking time. Um, you get away from that by just wrestling a Well, guy? It's, be- it's because it's because you're it's be- I, I imagine it's because you're it's in a way it's kind of like you util- uh, uh strengthening kind of all your functional muscles so you kind of um reduce the strain on them but then at the same time you're using um all your joints and your muscles um for s- various leverage and strength purposes. I agree. Um yeah, like I I heard um the, one of the reasons why you're not supposed to do like really controlled movements when you work out or like you're supposed to, but not all the time is because you develop too much of just like the ligaments in your joints that are only in charge of that and not yeah. necessarily the ones that are like st- stabilizing and like the shock resistant yeah. ones. So then as soon as you do do some like jarring movement, someone who's usually doing like jujitsu they would be able to, like, their ligaments can handle that stress yeah. because they're used to it. Yeah. Whereas someone who's just doing deadlifts every day, now they're going to get, like, a torn ACL or something like yeah. that. Yeah, so, so, so the, the, for, like, jujitsu purposes, um, like, like, sorry, for, for, for gym, what you're saying. for, for, for gym purposes, um, the, the, um, what I, what a lot of people who do jujitsu kind of say is, Um, if you're, if you're someone who goes to the gym, regardless of if you're doing squats and regardless if you're doing deadlifts, which are comp, which they say are, are, are are compound movements. So they work a lot of your stabilizing Hmm. muscles, um, versus like, uh, uh, like a dumbbell chest press or like a shoulder press and stuff like that. Um, they say that, you know, there's the shoulder press and whatever, that's working kind of like your pretty boy muscles or pretty yeah. girl muscles like or whatever. It's all, it's, stuff it's like all that. for aesthetic. Yeah, as um, aesthetic. Weight so, so then the people at the gym say, well, if you do squats and that, that's kind of more functional. And it's, if that's not functional at all. Like it's more functional, but like that compared to a conditioning endurance based um, um, uh, gym uh, or just straight up jujitsu, that is like functional training. Yeah. Um, so, any, so anyway, going back to the circle thing, uh, the, I would suck completely at that I guess uh, because like, how am I supposed to, I, I'm, I'm a pretty scrawny human being. I can't, I, I physically could not throw someone out of the circle. Yeah. Um, I'm not like a sumo wrestler. Like there's no way it's happening. However, I could, uh, pretty much make it so you're going to submit like you're on the ground and i'm about to break your arm if you don't tap out oh yeah so well that like, was fair like if you knocked my dad out he'd still give you the raise well, i can't knock you out i could just break your arm like if you broke his arm i'm pretty sure if he doesn't tap then he would give you that raise anyways um so if, if that if those are the rules we're good we're good it was more like try to try to beat me up and and prove yourself you know it was like prison rules kind of like but he forced you into it or else you didn't get a raise like you have to go and beat the biggest guy up because he was like a yeah. big guy and he was like not afraid of fighting so he was constantly getting into bullshit yeah so yeah. you know if you if, if you're someone who wants to go for the i want to be with 70 percent of my town maybe the gym isn't the best thing no well hard work if you go out and chop wood if you go out and and um, you go out and like throw hay bales, I, I grew up on a farm, so I'd always do this type of stuff, and and so like all summer, we would be either changing sprinklers or cutting hay, and so changing sprinklers, you have like big metal pipes that you literally just lug around for like, you got to do it twice a day, so it's, it's and if you don't do it, then your crops get fucked. So it's as regimented as you could possibly get. And they're these big metal pipes and you just move them around a field 
and then set up the sprinkler, let it go for 12 hours, come back, do it again. And I was like 10 years old doing that stuff. And so like even getting kids involved with those, those things that functionally strengthen are, is so important because like it, it benefits you so much long-term even doing that type of stuff. But yeah, I think the best way to, to gain any kind of strength is, is don't go to a gym and, and work out. I think those are a scam unless it's like the only way, but if you can go and just chop wood i mean it it, dep- it depends it depends what your goals are take, if your goals are to beat up the town don't go to the gym if your goals a, are well <laughs> your you goals can, are to like look like you know zach efron go to the gym well those people like it, the 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 rock and stuff like that guy is aesthetic as shit and he he does a lot of functional training a lot of like hit a hit a tire with a sledgehammer and stuff like that right? yeah like obviously if you want to be the rock but he like, also do does both. deadlifts and everything yeah. yeah if you want to be the rock do both also he's on at 4 He's a crazy guy. That rock. His new show. Shout out. Shout out to the Gladiator Games or whatever it's called. Titan Games. Titan Games. I apparently, apparently, it's not. It's, apparently, it's okay, but they haven't. The 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 announcers haven't quite figured it out. Yeah. Um, how do you? How do you like? You just kind of do it. American Ninja Warrior style, like announcing. Well, yeah. Well, that, well, like someone someone I know who who watched it was basically like. Um, American Ninja Warrior is a lot. The way they announce it is, it it gets you stuck in the loop. Mm. Um, just the way they pace it and the way they commentate it, they don't they don't because they don't really um, spend too much time on any one contestant and really right. go into their backstory. Um, they tend to. Uh, you tend to just like not care about contestants, so you just continue. You're you're there for the the obstacle course. Mm-hmm. Whereas Titan Games, they apparently spend like five minutes kind of doing like a TLC backstory. Thing oh, so it's it's contestant focused. Yeah, so so that kind of takes you out of it. You're kind of like you you invest so much time in one contestant, it's like oh, I have to do it again for the next one. So that's like um, <clears throat> so these people they they're they, if they're going to put time into into introducing them, then they must be like recurring characters right they're gonna stay I don't on the show so. i like i haven't watched it personally you know what i'm excited for have you do you ever watch fast and furious oh, are you gonna say sean hobbs or Fuck the... yeah i'm so excited for that one i'm so <sighs> the you know the drama behind it right the vin diesel one yeah yeah i love it like rock I... is greater than vin diesel any day yeah. see i agree but the rock was so dirty and how he got that show why he's just more likable yeah but he vin diesel vin diesel had his time to shine like 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 yeah de- like now we're gonna he had, now we're he the had, celebrity yeah, podcast he had, yeah we, he had seven <laughs> he had seven seven things and then the rock just swoops in and takes it away like that it's ruthless well, it's yeah sad. Both um of you. <laughs> thanks Teo. the 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 thing though is like i can understand if someone's more likable than you Mm-hmm. but to but i'm pretty sure the rock ended up saying something along the lines of i'm i want this movie mm-hmm. if we don't do this movie i'm leaving the fast and the furious like oh, yeah. he he ultimatum the shit oh out yeah of he flexed on because well, he's the rock he's like works on 30 fucking movies a a, a, a year or something like that You're yeah not but wrong like you could you could make it so you you could you could say that part of you know that series helped the rock skyrocket 
so fast. Yeah. Um, yeah, definitely did. Especially that flying punch. Fuck, that was epic. So, I, you know, I'm... Or was that even Vin Diesel? I thought they both did it. They did it at each other. I think they did it at each other. But yeah. it, either way, like, it just kind of leaves me the like a bad taste in my mouth because I'm like, Vin Diesel created the Fast and the Furious. Did he? And, yeah, he was basically... I thought like, that was Paul Walker. Paul Walker is... Well, Paul, it was Paul Walker and Vin Diesel together. Yeah, I guess. But, like... um. You know, you 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 pretty much take the the only last thing Vin Diesel has and said, "Fuck you, this is mine." And if you don't do it, then I'm going to tank your entire rest of your career. He's always got Riddick. I fully agree. agree with you, but like Riddick never really caught on. No, it didn't. It w- I wish it did. That's an interesting. One. This is such a digression. Um, I really like that point that you brought up about keeping a work life balance. I wanted to talk about <laughs> that because I thought that was really really good point because especially in grad school. Um, I've noticed I would, I struggled with that on the onset and then I realized, you know, just kick back and watch, watch Fast and the Furious movies when you get home <laughs> at, at about five. I just, I shut down. I, I don't really do much about school or work, I guess it's weird to delineate those two still for me, but, um, yeah, no, I just five, five thirty. whenever I get home, I just put my stuff down. Unless like you said, I have some fucking pressing shit that I've blown off for the last week or something like your, that your boss says that you have to finish this presentation that you've been working on for three weeks and it's due tomorrow at 6 a.m <laughs> yeah yeah no it's some of this some of that stuff is pretty crazy so like you gotta hit deadlines gotta prioritize that but prioritize yourself too so with 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 you um why, why don't we dive into that even further like and, and let's maybe not start it personal but what do you think um, are the number, like the, like the top 10, I'm not, we're not going to make a list, but like, what do you think are the, the major mistakes that people make who are, uh, who are in grad school? Cause I hear so many times it's like, this is the hardest thing ever. It's so challenging. And you have a lot of people who have the mentality of if it's not challenging and if you're not dying, you're not doing enough. Yeah, it's almost like it's um, encouraged that you should be under the impression that you're dying during grad school or you should be really challenged and stuff like that. But I think on on one hand, you have to think about it as, as if it's a job. And on the other hand, you have to think about it as school. So if, for example, you do have like a huge knowledge gap or something, this is specific for grad school, then I would spend spend some free time reading about that but free time, like free time or work time, free time. So you I think you should read outside of your 40 hour a week work? Yeah. Like when you get time. home. Yeah. I, it's, it's not that difficult because I think that, especially if you're starting out just initially, um, I think that that's a really good way to ease some of the anxiety because there's so much out there that you don't know and you don't want to spend your time at work studying, right? You don't want to, you don't want to spend a lot of what you're going to be doing, like thesis work and, and everything like that, at work studying up on what you should already know, right? But if, but if you, uh, I guess to an extent, but I'm like, how, like, so, I, so I'm a new student and I, and I just started my PhD or I just started my master's. Mm-hmm. I don't even think, like, you wouldn't even know, you wouldn't know where to begin. So you couldn't, it would be so hard for you to fill your 30 hours, your 40 hours, Maybe maybe you're the person who says that I you know I I'm going to dedicate 50 hours. How do you fill your day? Well, with I that? would I would never even do 40 hours. Um, 
or not 40 hours. I wouldn't do 50 hours. That's, that's, that's too much. But like, I think that you can, you can fill your time with things that are going to be more beneficial to you in the long run, like, like discussing things with colleagues and, um, you know, I don't know a lot of people's grad schools probably differ from mine, but like taking care of, of your workspaces and stuff like that is, is crucial to doing that because all of these things all, if you can, if you can organize those things and start taking control of that early on, then it helps you to, um, it helps you to really lose a lot of the, the anxiety because at least for me, I was really like almost type a. And so I, I needed, a certain place I needed to design my workspace kind of the way that I wanted. So like, especially starting out, like I would just spend time learning things, getting orientated, figuring out what's expected of you, um, uh, talking to your colleagues, getting impressions from them and, and just kind of figuring out your place in that and then building that, that, um, that knowledge base or that knowledge. Yeah. That knowledge base, uh, kind of on the side because you should kind of go into it enjoying reading and, and, and just learning about that stuff. So that's the way that I try to differentiate it from work and, and school is that you kind of keep the learning more at home or just like in your free time, whenever you have time, um, reading about random stuff and you can do that at work, I guess. Yeah. So yeah, the, 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 that, that, that's interesting to me because that because like my my initial thing is I think that for a lot of people that is that quickly can become a trap mm-hmm. because you're setting you're removing the boundary of when to stop. But like so that's the thing. It's hard to differentiate between the work and the actual um, studying aspect of it, right? Because you have to know when to stop worrying about your work, right? Versus when you, yeah, I guess that is kind of a... Because like for me, for example, like on this topic, like the, like I think, I, I think the, one of the first things is people have to stand up for themselves mm-hmm. and they have to set their boundaries and they have to make their boundaries known quite quickly. Yeah. Um, and a lot of people who say they have boundaries, I find that they aren't very vocal about their boundaries and they might be vocal, but they're very, you can kind of like a, a boss or a supervisor can kind of walk over their boundaries very mm-hmm. easily and very quickly. Um, but for, for, for me, uh, that is, that is a very slippery slope because like if, it, and, and I'll, and I'll kind of say why I don't think you should read at home. Um, and my main, my, my first thing is, I guess I'll explain why or h- how my day kind of went. Mm-hmm. And a lot of when I started, um, it was like, I would still run. I, I like, yeah, I would start my week and I would schedule out what I'm going to do every day for that week. And I could fit in, like I, I could, con- I could always concurrently run for to probably up to eight experiments a week mm-hmm. and utilize a lot of my time. Um, and then in between that, um, because you have a lot of three hour incubation and stuff like that, that is when I would read about something relevant to my assay. Is that really like, is that exclusive to the work that we do though? 
I, I, I think that's the same. Like if, if you're in another field, mm-hmm. you might you, like ours is like our, our, our research is very experimental. So, and by that, I mean, it's very high throughput. So we can do a lot of things at once. If you're another person who does, um, um, let's say you do uh, sustainable ecosystem, ecological economics type stuff that, you know, that's not like you running daily experiments. Mm-hmm. If you're doing what I used to do, which is aquatic toxicology, you, you, you could really only run one experiment. That experiment would last you six months. Yeah. So you don't have a lot to really do outside that. Um, so the things you do outside that you, 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 you first, you justify your experiment and you figure out, um, all you figure out how everything in your experiment works. Cause usually when you start, you're given this assay, you're given this thing mm-hmm. And it really helps to understand the mechanics of what every ingredient does. I agree. Um, which is something that a lot of people don't do. Like a lot of people, they read the assay, they do the assay. It's like, what is, what it, for example, when we're extracting cells, we have this thing called papain. And I can almost guarantee you that 90% of our lab or 99% of our lab doesn't know what papain does. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's work related. That's what I mean by work related. You can do those studies and investigation. Like what is papain? That's super work related. Yeah. So, so, but then you, you always cut, like I always, so you, so you have all that. But even even while I'm figuring out these work related things, like on a Monday, because a Monday is a lot of is this my setup day, and a Friday is my wind hmm. down day, essentially. Um, it, I find that on those days, I do a lot of outside reading. So I'm like, okay, I'm working on this experiment. I'm getting this data about these different proteins. I know what these proteins do now. And I know what these assays do now. What? How does my research fit in? to everything else. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think that's, so that's kind of what I was trying to get at is you should be doing the reading so that you know, like the broad picture, but like outside of free time. I think, I I don't think that you should. Well, okay. This is, this is my reasoning behind it. And this, because it helped me because I was a lot more concerned about learning like assays and stuff like that. Um, while I was, while I was at work and then, and that didn't burn you out though. Well, no, because I would, I would, I don't know, like read uh, like a random book on 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 some neuroinflammation stuff, like because that's what I study. Um, so it wasn't like I was I was I wasn't like taking it super seriously. I was just kind of like getting an idea of of what was going on, right? Mm-hmm. And and so the reason why I had success with that is that getting into and maybe it's because we're looking at like neuroscience. I didn't have like the greatest understanding of it. Mm -hmm. So I would have, um, I guess like anxiety going into it, which would like keep me always thinking about it. Mm -hmm. Um, keep me thinking about like, Oh, I just like, I don't know how any of my stuff fits in with anything. Like, I don't know what's, what's current. And a lot of what you're trying to do initially is like set up experiments and try to like get your research to be somewhat significant so that yeah, you're not just grass, wasting your time, right? So that's why I, I I wanted to kind of develop my knowledge or would suggest to develop your knowledge, like especially if there is a knowledge gap that you're going into like a new lab that um, that like you don't know why you're looking at this one something. I don't yeah. know, like a biomarker. Yeah. Do the biomarking, like study that biomarker during your work day, 
but then figure out kind of the broad context because you have to have some kind of a passion for it. If you're not going into grad studies and you're like, well, I'm really interested in like, why is this biomarker relevant in, in, in this whole broad field? Then I don't think that you're really meant out for it, but I don't know. Like I, I always have been a, I've always been a believer that you should be reading and doing things about your degree kind of in your free time when you can that's like just broad um because i because like yeah I'm, I'm i'm so like like for an example now how much do you actually read outside your spare outside the lab or the work probably like now because i don't think that i have a, a ton of like like i feel like i have a good grasp on it but initially probably like five hours in a week distributed over an entire week like i'm not spending a lot of time now how much did that go over your 40 hours a week because you said well like, i would only see i would only work seven hours a day right so see so that's different though like because because to me that's your banking time to then read comfortably at home i think that's different well well i'd be there for like usually eight hours and then like your hour lunch or whatever like that and then yeah i would i would go and read comfortably at home i wouldn't yeah. i wouldn't sit at, at school anymore because i don't like I wouldn't so, sit at work because so I, I was so associated that with work. I actually think here we might have the same mentality. I just have a different structure of my work mm-hmm. um, because like I, I I would usually say the first thing you do to get unconfused is to maybe study specifically what protein or whatever you're looking at or what system you're working at, how it fits in the big picture. But like, yes, when I first started, I read, I think I've read two textbooks now i read one specifically Mm -hmm. on the general cells in the brain and i read one on um or i'm reading one now on clinical neuroscience um which is kind of the broader picture of what i do in case i want to switch to a different uh clinical field um but for me like you 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 said generally you know i'm there for seven seven eight hours um and then but you know i have my hour lunch break and you kind of imply that you just kind of like ate your lunch and just kind of socialized. Whereas yeah. usually like in my lunch, that's when I do that right reading that I could do at home. Mm-hmm. And, and the reason for me why, um, so <laughs> generally, um, I'm a little bit social, more social, like actually this year than I have been in the past because I don't, cause I'm kind of waiting on stuff to happen. Um, I did a lot of my front end work, uh, last year, the year before. Right. So, so for, 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 for you, um, as, as Teo just kind of sits here being like, yeah, I have nothing to say on this matter because I'm not a grad student. Um, not yet, not yet. Yeah. Still trying, still trying to do that math degree. Right, Teo? Right, Teo? You're- huh. Yeah, I guess. Um, I agree. The- <laughs> so the, 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 um, so for me, uh, I find that when that people who have to work at home, it's an observation mm-hmm. I made, they tend to spend a lot of time not doing work. Mm-hmm. Um, they spend a lot of time socializing, which makes them a little bit less efficient. Um, so I remember like not even not even in research, I, I was working at a, a car company at one point and in my life and people would like, walk around there's a warehouse job people would walk around and their and their day would probably be an hour or two of just talking to people in the aisles as they 
picked orders essentially. Whereas I'm just like, I'm not going to talk to anyone and I'm just going to get everything done. Yeah. Um, just be efficient in what you do. So, so I think if you do that, you, yeah, I, I, it's, it's a struggle for me to see why you need to work. It's a struggle for me to see why you need to work more than that. My reason behind that is that I don't necessarily, so you don't have any friends is is what I'm thinking. This is so, (laughs) maybe, um, when you're, when you're starting out, it's, you're very unaware of things. And so instead of just like digging yourself into a book, I think it's really important to start developing relationships with people around you right off the get go. Mm. And so I think, and my boss is going to hate me for saying this, but I think part of my job description is socializing, going around and talking and, and going and doing that kind of thing. And so I would rather spend you know, that, that hour at home sitting quietly by myself, reading, listening to whatever music I want and just like kind of developing that, that knowledge base, which I found really comfortable and really like enjoyable in the end. Um, and then at work I would just, you know, like you said, I, I'm, I'm a really efficient worker as is. So I try to like, I look for the shortcuts. What is like, not shortcuts that'll like make the work shitty, but no. like shortcuts to like make things go faster, more efficient. Yeah, yeah. I'm yeah. You're always looking for okay, like what even because I worked in a, a kitchen. Like what little movements can I remove from this thing? Like where can I where can I put the garbage so that I don't have to take two steps away to throw out the garbage? That way I don't have to waste that ten seconds. You know, doing that. Um, so I, I, I always try to really work as efficiently as possible. So when I'm doing experiments, when I'm in, in that kind of setting, really, really efficient. And so, yeah, you need to be efficient at that. You need to work fast. You, as a grad student, you can't spend a lot of time sitting, doing experiments because then you'll, you'll waste your time, right? What you need to, what you need to really focus on, I think is, is developing those relationships because those are the things that'll guide you going forward those are the things that will help you um more so than even probably just a degree would um so i think that that's why it's like super crucial to me for a grad student to set aside time to interact with other people and to have all these like uh things and and kind of relegate your your study time in the broad context um at home somewhere that it's you can be comfortable and it's not like oh my god i'm still at work like oh this is awful right that's such a it's hard because i i agree with you that that it is really difficult to find that work-life balance like and i think, I think that is, the way that you yeah. have to do that is to say i'm only going to work for eight hours a day i'm only going to do nine hours of work or set set your limit and be hard on that limit yeah. unless there's some kind of a thing like a specific deadline yeah yeah um, ah you seem to be contradicting yourself yeah i guess a little bit like, see like the, the, and i agree with Teo. like that is the i i there's there, there's such a nuance to what you're saying that it's a very it, it can go from you thinking you're getting overworked and being like so um inefficient and you know miserable versus having the nuance to do that well mm-hmm. because i will I, I i just want to interject 
um, that that doesn't mean I don't talk to people, right? Like yeah. I'm like I I say that I'm very inefficient, but I know when to hard cut people off of a conversation mm-hmm. because I'm not going to sit there and talk to you 30 minutes about whatever. I'm like I'm technically at work. Like you you have to be good at conversational skills to be able to build that connection but then also walk away from that conversation yeah yeah um which which is something i cannot do that's like fuck i just can talk all day to people oh i know just waste their i'm pretty sure there was one day in this in in two summers ago or last summer where like i'm pretty sure people were talking for two hours in the lab yeah which i mean there's not much to do in the summer but i have observed that yeah um and uh like so I, i i wonder because um like for the other thing is if you if you if you don't set these hard boundaries and you're willing to go home like and i and i think and i think what i've seen like cuz i follow a lot of grad students on like twitter and stuff like that just to kind of kind of feel around and see what they're going through and what i find is that 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 some people um they kind of and and it might be because they feel so pressured from their supervisor and their pre- their supervisor like gaslights them and pretty much calls them saying like you suck at what you do. Mm-hmm. Maybe they have a point. I have I I don't know what yeah. you, I don't know you. Um, <laughs> you could suck. Like you could actually suck. Like mm-hmm. I I have like scientifically I have to kind of <laughs> admit that I don't know you personally, so I can't judge your supervisor um whether they're gaslighting you or whether um you just this you're going to struggle in this education system because you don't have like the philosophical thinking to really thrive comfortably in it. I fully agree with you. Yeah. Like some people can thrive in it and work very well off of it. Um, Other people, you know, you need your mentality on how things work. You're very susceptible to getting negative thoughts. And one like one thing where I've noticed is it seems like a lot of people who um, are in these situations of, you know, these, these research situations where they're working towards a degree, whether it's an honors, master's, or PhD, they, they, they can work. Um, they, 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 they can bring their work home where they have to, like, think about what they're doing the next day. Um but when they do that, it kind of seems like they don't have any them time mm-hmm. because they kind of just read their research or figure out what they're doing next. And like, that's why I, I, I think it like for me personally, it's easier just to set a hard time when I'm stopping doing things. I'm not checking my email. Um, because then, then I know that this is dedicated me time that I can build my own personal relationships outside school. This is another thing that I want to I, I want to bring up because like finding the work life balance is is difficult and maybe maybe it's not you know as as just oh blanket statement for everyone um, but like how often do you check your email and stuff like that how often do I check my email like do you have it so that you have because I found that this thing was something that I started doing really early mm-hmm. is that I just stopped I just like broke all communication after some point in time. I only did this. I only did that on in December when I went on vacation. Really? It's the first time I deleted all my phone apps. They all auto-updated. Yeah, because I... so, And that's probably why I'm such a good mood now. Like, if you see me at work, I'm in such a good mood. Yeah, because I found that I would get... And even I need to stop it because my phone starts doing this when I... um, 
when I go to bed and plug it in, it mm-hmm. auto updates all of my emails and stuff like that. And I need to figure out how mm-hmm. to turn that off. Um, because then I get like this sudden rush of anxiety, man, when I see that Gmail symbol come up on my phone, I don't know what it is about it. I just get anxiety because yeah. maybe it's just, Oh, something's wrong at the lab or I got to do something, you know, PI is getting mad at you for, for, for whatever your, your supervisor. Um, so yeah, that was one thing that like, I always get like, and I started noticing it just that flood of, of like, what is that? Adrenaline? Yeah. I think it's adrenaline. Yeah. Flood of adrenaline. Every time you get an email. Like for, 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 for me, like I had that for a long time. Also at tech messaging, I found that that has gone away because I kind of, to me, uh, my bosses or people at work could text me, but now because I just, they they could also email me. So it was kind of the same, it triggered the same feelings, Mm -hmm. but because I yanked the email off, the texting is kind of a little bit more, it doesn't, it doesn't trigger that anxiety the same way. But essentially what I do is I basically set it to, um, I, it only manually refreshes. And I usually just check that when I'm going to the bathroom. I agree. That's a good way to do it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, So I check it, I, I check it in the morning just to see what I have to do in the day. Um, and then at work, I check when I go to the bathroom and I usually just don't check it until the next day. Yeah. Like when I go home. I like, I do a check in the morning and then in the, before I go home in the afternoon, I check it about three times, but only at work usually. That's the thing that I was saying has pissed me off that it, it updates at home sometimes when I plug it in. It's the worst. But like the the effect that technology has on on just how connected and how tied at the hip that you have to be to grad school, I think is really, really unhealthy. How you're almost expected to have this 24-hour availability. Like you need to stop that right away. As soon as you get into grad school, you can't think that it is like school anymore. And this is kind of where I struggle maybe because you have to make that really clear differentiation that this is it's it's school but it does also work right and and unless you're working at home or like you're a ceo nobody like if you're if you're a dishwasher at at a at a restaurant are you gonna go home and then and then you know dishwash for for another five hours like i doubt it if you're so so i think like analogy and analogy wise that's how you should almost look at grad school is that you're just a dishwasher. You, you're not going to sit at home. You might dishwash for like an hour to, to upkeep your shit, right? But don't start, you're not going to start getting anywhere by just taking clean dishes out and rewashing them. That's kind of the analogy that I, I, I took towards grad school. So if I'm, if I'm done from work and I'm off the clock, then I'm off the clock type of thing. And yeah, that's, it's weird that technology's made it so you just the expectation that you're always there. So it's kind of, it's, it's kind of funny that you bring that up because um, actually this last week, I, 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 there's a huge back and forth on academic Twitter, which I always find these back and forth hilarious. Um, where again, it was, the, it was the people who were like, if you don't work 60, 80 hours a week, actually they, they kind of brought in the, um, that right, Alt, like that alty right terminology and it was something to say the tweet as is and it was kind of like if you if you don't if you treat your master's or your phd 
like a -a 40-hour-a-week job. You should not be in a master's or a PhD because that's not how it's done. And you're just a liberal snowflake. See, this is the important thing, though. You treat the, the, the grad school itself like it's a work 40 hour. But then you're also kind of going to school on top of that. So you have to like, yeah, you lose a lot of work life balance and you might end up working like eight, nine hours, 10 hours a day. But that's why I think like you need to set set time aside to go to school too. do your schoolwork, get your knowledge up. That's interesting that they're trying to that that's alt right kind of. Yeah, there's just, that that was kind of the phrasing they used, and they and they and they were kind of um, shaming anyone who did a um, forty hour a week thing. And I think that like to an extent that that was naive. Like I I when I started um, when I had I, I had this crunch time because I had to prove that I could do this PhD and that. And I think around that time I was working fifty to sixty hours a week, but. Now I don't need to. This is politics. So, so I mean, it is politics. So like, it, but I shouldn't need to work that 50, 60 hours every day. Like, the, and, and, and I guess this is my barometer. Every week. <laughs> this, this, this is my barometer. Yeah. It, it, and, and, and it's, and it's, and it's, people are like, people hold this academic intellect with such um, reverence or clout or like privilege and, I'm in my ivory tower and I'm better than everyone. And that's such a stupid way to think about it because he, and so I, because I have the privilege of living with someone who's going through medical school. They are going to get out of medical school and they're going to make over Mm $200,000 no matter what they do, unless they just, you know, work three days a week for their entire life. Um, But they're, they get a huge payoff as a academic who's just a PhD, like, so not a PhD MD, but just a PhD, I won't get the same payoff. Mm -hmm. So it really is just a job. And my impact on the world from a realistic standpoint is going to be way lower than that doctor who is literally saving lives. I think I understand what you're saying. Like if we go, like if we go back to Teo's and yours thing, we're talking about these boulders and pushing these boulders. The 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 pedestal or the 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 pin needle of science is going to move so slowly from my entire career, and I'm not going to make enough money. That why why is it? Why do you treat it like you're the next? You're the next like Albert Einstein. Yeah, yeah. It's well uh, at some point it it's honestly just slave labor like it's just the people are looking for for quick cheap easy exploitable people who who are willing to put in crazy amount of hours because they maybe have been fed the narrative that they are the next albert einstein or something like that because i think that is something that people do um feed people a lot like uh universities will kind of be like yeah no you're 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 a snowflake and and you're special and all of this stuff and yeah you got to work really hard they to get this. They do send to, two messages. Hey, they do send two messages. Yeah, yeah. So like they say, you have to you have to work really hard and and you're so special, but then you're also working for the university. Keep in mind, so they have this kind of double double edged uh, reason for for um, encouraging such just high work, right? Um, 
And so, and, and, and so kind of going just quickly adding on to my other point with, with kind of this in mind is it, it is, if, if you are a person who says that you have to work 60 to 80 hours a week, that is more than most medical students make or work um, on any given week. Um, so not including their study time, but just like their time actually at the hospital doing their shit. Mm-hmm. And if you're expecting someone to work that amount of time as a PhD, you're just, I just think you're straight up batshit insane. Yeah. There is no payoff for you. No. And you're just you're 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 just so sold and blindsided by this system and you think that your PhD means so much and you're changing the world like you just bought into that system. You're an idiot like 100%. Like I don't mm-hmm. even I don't even think there is a I think that is a really appro- like me calling someone an idiot in that sense. I think that's appropriate. Yeah, yeah, we're in talking about economics. Um wow. Yeah, you you do you set yourself up to be really naive and and just get taken advantage of, really. Yeah. Um, so, which is why I think figuring that out is really really important. So, like, you gotta talk to people about it because everyone has their own take and their own experiences with grad school. Definitely, you gotta set time aside to to learn the system, learn the ins ins and outs. It's kind of like prison in a way. Yeah. So so here 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 here's what I've learned. Mm-hmm. And it's also probably why um, I'm having mentally such a nice time. And a lot of professors disagree with my approach, admittedly. Mm-hmm. Um, like, for example, I think I think about two and, <laughs> two and a half people of my committee. So one person kind of hasn't decided whether or not they like this approach. Um, I know one person kind of really doesn't. Um, and it's the idea of, you have to know what job you're going into. So I know that the job of academia, your currency is your publications mm-hmm. um, and your networking. So I'm going to spend some time networking. But, uh, but a majority of my currency and a, lot of my, and a lot of my payoff is from my manuscripts and where they're published. Yeah. So how do I tailor my studying? I get my data. I look at my data. And I'm constantly kind of adding and reworking my introduction and my discussion of my publication. And now that I have written one, um, and like I've written a review and I've and I've and I've written the manuscript, I kind of know what needs to go into an introduction and what needs to go into discussion. And I tailor my studying to what do I what do I need to find out to make that discussion amazing mm-hmm. and really really nail my experimental design yeah, and I look the, for that stuff. Figure all the shortcomings out. And that is, and that, and that is kind of a nuance, but it really pinpoints how to maximize um, my currency while putting in, while minimizing, like I'm pretty much optimizing for my time, my mm-hmm. hours. Um, and some people, you know, they, they don't, they don't particularly like that. Um, mm-hmm. Like yes, I I understand how my methods work, and I know how to everything, and I and I do all that too. Um, but like, there are things where they're just like, no, you should read. Um, you should spend a lot of time reading stuff that's in your field, but it has nothing to do with what you're researching. And there is some, there is some like, I found a lot of success with it. It just helped there, with the anxiety. There, there, there is there is some success to that and helpfulness to that. Like 
interdisciplinary um, studying has definitely helped where I can take in a lot of um, information from cancer and a lot of information from, actually, it's, actually it's where a majority of my information comes from is cancer research. Mm-hmm. Um, but I find that I can get that information through my discussion because I'm pulling, I'm tying my stuff to techniques or ideas that cancer has generated and showing and putting it into my neurological disease and model. And I read that paper very thoroughly. And then as I read that paper, there might be a couple ideas in that discussion or introduction that are interesting to me. And then I'll look at that reference and I'll go. So mm-hmm. it, so, it'll, so it, 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 it gives me, it, it, so not saying that I, that, that, that I kind of, you know, I'm so narrow in my thinking, but it gives me a system by which to connect my ideas with a rope and eventually I can just reel that rope back in because I know I'm going too far. Yeah. Um, and I find that that helps because I, a lot of people, when they go into these things, they don't know when to stop or where to start. So they're just kind of, they're just kind of like walking through a, a, a black, pitch black abyss. And they're like, where am I going? What am I doing? Um, I'm just, oh, there, I, I, there, there, I can see that there's an apple one foot in front of me there. I'm going to pick that apple. Yeah. I'm not going to look at the rest of the tree, see how many apples there are. There might be like a, you know, right behind that apple and hiding behind that tree, there might be a giant fire breathing dragon that's going to burn me alive. But I'm just going to grab that apple and I might hear some hissing over there. I'm just going to start walking the other way. <laughs> yeah. It's definitely, that's a, that's a good analogy. Definitely. I, I kind of felt the same way when I walked into grad school. I was just like, I knew essentially nothing. And so I, I kind of tasked myself with the, the first goal would be reconnaissance of of where like where are these apple trees and where are the the fire breathing breathing <laughs> dragons and stuff like that well it was it was really it was really difficult and i guess yeah the 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 method that i found to kind of maximize that and and figure that out for myself was um um doing some some studying on the side like just general broad knowledge building stuff and then spending a lot of my time you know making myself work as efficiently as possible and then yeah and then uh just figuring out by talking with people what they what their impressions were yeah what their tips and and tricks to the trade were because i found this it's i don't know how transferable our our knowledge is to other grad studies because i haven't taken engineering grad studies or anything like that but i think as far as a broad a broad general tip on what to do would be to just really limit the amount of hours that you are working into a day to like no more than um, nine, like absolute maximum nine, unless like you're really crunch time. And then, um, yeah, limit your hours and, and just figure out where you are in the in the whole system of things. Do some do some reconnaissance. I, I, I think that our stuff has to limit to any graduate study whereby you are adding to a body of knowledge that requires a lot of other things to support your idea. Um, So for example, some mathematics can be very theory-based and you're kind of making your own theory. Like, I don't know how much referencing goes into that. Sure, Um, quite a bit. Similarly, like, but like not in the same way. No? No, I, I don't think so. Like, like, like in like in an English degree, usually you're taking these literatures and you're and you're saying how this literature can bring out certain things. Mm-hmm. 
I don't think it really needs to be supported by other research unless you unless that is your goal. Yeah. Like if well, if if you're trying if you're trying to analyze these books for how they can be analogies to modern um patriarchal ideals, I don't think you need to reference anything. That is you just need to make a coherent argument. Is that see like I I don't even know. I I don't know, but I imagine Gosh, so. that was definitely physics. Um, <laughs> like I, I mean, no, that was mathematics, but and and, and English and huh. art. Huh. Um, but the, and I know how much you like art, Teo. I like um, discussions about art. I, I know the 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 <laughs> thing is though that um, like if I'm thinking of like my friend who writes philosophical papers, again, he's kind of referencing other philosophers, but he's building his own his own idea and framework it's like writing an essay mm -hmm. you you can take quotes and ideas and things from people but ultimately at the end of the day you're building your own framework yeah we're whereas we are at we're, we're putting a stick into that framework so we need to say what the framework is in the first place um but so I, so maybe our referencing system um may not work to everything but i will i i do want to um uh shift a little bit um, I guess. because, because like we talk about grad studies and we kind of, you know, it's, it, I, I think that the, the only real major rule mm -hmm. is set your boundaries. Yeah. And yeah, definitely because humans are not designed to work 80 hours a week. No. And this is, it's, you need self-care time. Yeah. Like it's, we live in the, we live in the day and age where like in, in, in one hour you can probably accomplish as much as your supervisor could in in one week so why why are you working so hard yeah and then and then so you have this this um um uh, what was i gonna say the 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 this mentality if like you can set your boundaries up i think that really how to be good in grad school i almost want to say is the exact same logic to be successful anywhere mm -hmm. like if, if if you're trying to climb the corporate ladder isn't it the same traits and same qualities to be able to climb the corporate ladder and mm -hmm. be successful in that way yeah isn't it the same if you want to build your own company and build your own um brand isn't that the same traits as grad school yeah, I guess. Like, well, well, that's why I'm kind of like you're even strengthening my resolve to be like, well, study, study hard outside because like if you're trying to climb the corporate ladder, you have to do your homework and you have to work hard, you know. So, but here, here's potential. But, but but the thing is that like you're always trying to build like knowledge, right? Like, it's, yeah, you're not just like working hard for nothing. You're you're doing it for a reason. You're trying to build that knowledge basis. Because for me, I'm sitting here and thinking that, like. Ultimately, climbing a corporate ladder does not necessarily make you successful in life. So I guess here, here, here I, I guess there's two kind of avenues here because I because I do think that a corporate ladder versus like an entrepreneurial <laughs> ladder mm -hmm. are two different things, kind of. They're two different beasts, maybe, and we might be able to at the end of this, I might be able to pin them into the same thing because a corporate ladder, I'm thinking that 
if you want to climb that, I think you have to be smart in what you're doing. And you have to be good at letting other people know that you're smart at what you're doing. So just like front as hard as possible on just random facts and stuff like that. <laughs> without being a without without being, being an ass. <laughs> without being an ass about it, without being without without just fl- flaunting your wings for no reason. So you gotta be competent, right? Yeah. I think that's the same trait as grad school. You gotta be competent. You can't just you can't just spout random shit yeah. and get respect for it and get noticed for it. You definitely can't be super super like exploitable though. That's a problem. Because um, you can be super competent and then just like But same thing in climb the corporate ladder. Yeah. I don't like for people who actually climb it, they I don't think that they're exploitable. The ones who are exploitable are the ones who stay in the rung of the ladder and don't move up because well the company knows that you're exploitable yeah. and you can just stay there and you'll and, and you'll just keep working so hard. Yeah. And you and you have no you have no um aggression for lack of a better word. I don't, I don't want to say like you don't have any drive or ambition because I think these people do have ambition. They just don't have the, 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 the aggression to like assertiveness, for, assertiveness. They don't, they, they're not assertive to have that change. Yeah. Um, similarly with grad school, you can, it's better to be assertive mm-hmm. and being like, no, I know what I'm talking about. You are wrong for this reason, this reason, this reason. Or I think that my idea is better than your idea for this reason, this reason, this reason. If like those things, you're like, people really trust you. I think, yeah, I think and you don't get exploited. I think you're, you're hitting on something that's, that's really like a, a good point is that it's, it's not necessarily the, the, um, knowledge like i don't necessarily think it's the knowledge or anything like that but the confidence and the and the your ability to stand up for yourself i think more than anything is is the best way to approach just life just be confident in what you want and what you know and what you feel and all those things and then you know continue to to make yourself better in terms of like your knowledge and and learning and everything like that and eventually you'll get to a point where like People notice that. People notice, no, this person's not willing to get treaded on or, or whatever it might be. And they know they can make decisions and, and stuff like that, which ultimately is is probably going to make you more happy with your life because, yeah, you're going to stand up for what you think is right for yourself, do what you want to do, and 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 not let people just, like, exploit you for their own for their own gains. Yeah. And, and, and adding even more traits to this, right? Because we, so we talk about exploitiveness, we talked about assertiveness, mm-hmm. um, confidence. These are all good traits in grad school. They're also great traits in just climbing general. the corporate ladder or just in general, like, yeah, life in general. Um, and another good trait, and, and those traits also work for on the entrepreneurial, right? Um, but adding on one more trait, another, another, another good trait is, um, uh, let me think here for a sec because I had it in my head. Um, another good trait is knowing that your employer, whether it's yourself or whether it's your clients mm-hmm. or whether it's the corporation or the your supervisor, they really only want one thing. Yeah, They want you to bring something to their lab 
where they want you to bring something to their corporation or your clients want you to bring something to the world. Mm-hmm. It's all transactional. Beneficial. Yeah. And and I think a lot of people Well, beneficial to them themselves. I think it's yeah. I think that's the the contingency thing. They have a vested interest in in your work. That's why they hired you. They have a vested interest in what you're doing and they're going to try to exploit it so that they can maximize whatever it is that they're interested in out of you. And then you're but if you're wrong. someone But if you're someone like cuz yeah, I agree. You're 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 not wrong. But if you're someone who 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 cuz like ultimately the reason why you get hired from like say a company or a lab or for whatever is because usually you have something initially mm-hmm. that that employer wants. Now, um for graduate studies, it's usually free labor, <laughs> cheap labor essentially, mm-hmm. right? Um for the corporations, oh, you can you can fill these shoes. Yeah. But how do you differentiate yourself from anyone else? How do you how do you differentiate yourself to show that you have more added value? Well, you 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 bring something to the environment that they need and then they say, "Oh, that's a good idea." And you say, "Yeah, and if you want me to keep doing good ideas like this, give me a raise or give me the next rung on the ladder." Mm-hmm. Um and so, like in a in in a graduate scenario, yeah, sure, I'm doing I'm I'm doing the slave labor work essentially because if you do the hour calculation, it is under the minimum wage. Mm-hmm. Um, you do that work, but what do you bring to it? Well, you bring in organizational systems that are that benefit everyone. Mm-hmm. You bring in you bring in a, a, a workplace culture that's beneficial, so then people get more work done. You bring in efficient training or like in in you could bring in um, new ideas. Yeah. So in a grad studies, what are new ideas? New ideas are you do research or you make some sort of assay, and this is difficult, very difficult. And this, but this is what differentiates you. You make an assay that that lab has not done before, and then you justify why that lab or why that assay is really good for the lab. Mm-hmm. And then from there, you say, well, I think that this field. I believe in this area of research and you go and just kind of do that a little bit and you can start and you start spawning these different projects. You start spawning these assays. That's very beneficial for your supervisor and grad studies. And they're like, holy shit. So it's almost like you've got to find something that they don't, the way that you differentiate yourself then is you find something that you bring to the table that is in your boss's own interests and you yeah. and you implement that essentially. They they didn't essentially before know that they wanted that. Yes, but you're giving it to them anyways. And I think that and and that is the hardest thing to do because there are so many like grad students who 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 think that their 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 research is hard, whatever. But what I find is that they're kind of just kind of they're not standing up for themselves and they're doing what their supervisor tells them. Well, there's to to your supervisor or to your boss. All that looks like is that you're doing what they can do themselves. Mm-hmm. You want to not do what they can do themselves, and you want to say, "This is why I'm right." Yeah. And once you do that, they'll just be like, "I'll let you do whatever you want," because the creativity here, or the the novel um, things you've brought, I didn't even think about. Yeah, just the potential of you having that autonomy is is more beneficial than 
me watching you or something like that. And I think that if you can't do, if you don't bring that to yeah. your lab, you're going to have a very hard time mentally because the supervisor will think that you don't have autonomy and because you don't have autonomy, I have to kind of, mm -hmm. um, uh, I have to walk you through this. Yeah. And I'm, and I like you, because you don't have autonomy, the supervisor has the power and because they have the power, they're going to be like, do it. Well, then on top of I that. Don't, I understand what you're doing, so do it. Yeah, on top of that, though, like, that is the easiest way to become essentially worthless. Because I, I remember, bringing it actually back to my dad, I remember he would always uh, say, a watched a watched wa worker is is of no importance to anybody. And so essentially all that is, is like, if 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 you have to, because this was something that he noticed in me when I was really young, mm -hmm is that he, I would have to come to him and say, all right, dad, well, what do I do next? Like we'd be working somewhere. Well, what do I do next? And he'd say, well, figure it the fuck out. A, a watched worker is of no importance to anyone. You're useless right now. If you, if every single time you run into a problem or you finish a job and you have to come back to me and tell me what, what do I need to do? Then it's pointless because clearly you don't know what the goals are of our, of our organization and and I just have to constantly watch you because I don't think that you're competent enough to look at the big picture, right? Because if you know, like, like what is what does a, a supervisor want? Well, they want more data, like in grad school. So, or the, or like you said, a, or organization or something like that. If you can find any way to streamline those, then immediately, like you're you're going outside of those boundaries. You're no longer a watched war worker. You're you're autonomous and you're creating other things and you're working towards like this central goal of what the organization is which is a lot more um beneficial for everybody involved even yourself to to bring that because now you're you're making it so that you have that thing that they can't get rid of right um which was another thing like you're always told you know bring something to the table that no one else can well it could be as simple as well um whenever this person is working, everything's super clean. And so everyone else works way better. Like you could be a janitor. I don't know. Like if that's your thing and you can really hammer that out and, and take ownership in one certain facet of the organization that's really going to benefit it, that could be enough, right? It's just you're looking for some way to differentiate yourself. Yeah. And so, yeah, one of the best ways to do that is to just figure shit out on your own. No one wants to hire someone who has to, who they have to tell them, okay, well, here's your next step. And I still fall victim to it occasionally because like, fuck, some of the stuff that we do is just so outside of my realm of just like, I don't know where to even start. Yeah. And I think like that's normal. And that's where having discussions with colleagues and, and learning and stuff really, really comes in. Like that's where your, that's where your team comes in yeah. because, because you're all like, I, I, I like cultures where you're all on the same team. Yeah. So it's like, yes, that is very hard. But you try your best to do it and you and you do it every occasionally. But there are times when you need help. You need um someone to be like, hey, I actually what what do I do? I need some guidance here. I need some opinions here. Yeah. And yeah. Like, not everyone just has like a, a roadmap for everything, right? Not everyone can know the next step. I agree. Yeah. And there's and and yeah. Like there are there are scenarios whereby um even, you know, 
you know, I, I, I sit there and I get the, the, the title of saying that I'm the senior member of this lab, but even there's time for me, I'm like, I, I do not have all the answers and I need to ask someone too. Um, and again, great trait in a corporate ladder, great trait in an entrepreneur, entrepreneur, because, because even as a boss, even as an employer, I think that's a huge trait. Like that's another one that's just bringing something to the table as no, a boss. No, sorry, being able to to say, "Hey, I don't know this, and I need help." Oh, I yeah, think that's, that's such a, that's such a crazy skill that a lot of people don't have. A lot of people yeah. are just like, "No, fuck that. I can figure it out on my own, and I don't need anyone's help." No, like sometimes you need help. Yeah, no, so, it's, so, it's a so crucial so thing that, for life. Like that's the fourth. Like the fourth trait is so third trait. Bring something to the table, um, and it can be for your boss, but it can also be if you're an entrepreneur, like this i'm creating my own business um so i'm going to bring the, i need to bring this thing to the table because it's a great idea this hasn't been done before and i and i know that it's going to help my clients or it's going to help the world in some fashion and people believe in your idea and then they start essentially being like hey let's um you know you're worth this 50 cent coffee mm-hmm. um will you be a millionaire who cares but yeah, they say that the happiest uh, income that you can get is seventy thousand. Yeah, but so. you but you get some at least you know someone someone's there to support you when you need it. Yeah. Um. And then you but you don't want to be that ignorant person in any of those scenarios, whether you're in the corporate ladder, whether you're in the um, uh, entrepreneurial ladder, or whether you're in grad school, who cannot admit when they're wrong, because yeah, it's is super just annoying to be around those and not even that you maybe not that you need to be wrong but wrong or that you can't that you don't need help it's okay to ask for help see this is a fun balance that i've i've struggled with is that how how do you make it so that you're confident right because you don't want to be trod over and you want to present your ideas as if they're you know legit but um but then you don't want to come off as if you know everything and then your ideas are just gold and everything like that. So right? this is, this is, this is what I've learned. And I, cause I used to, um, I used to run, um, a, a surviving company. Mm-hmm. So let's just say it was in the black. That does not mean that I was making a lot of money, but it was a black. Yeah, $2 um, is black. Yeah. <laughs> so like I'd spend $2, I'd make $2. Um, and it was fun. Um, and in that, I was uh, very much a person who thought that my ideas were great. But the issue was, I thought that all everyone else's ideas were fucking stupid. Yeah. And immediately what I realized is that is what, or not immediately, years later, when my um, endeavors went belly up, the, the, the issue was that, oh, yeah, everyone that I hire hates me. Huh. <sighs> Right, because if you're not gonna, if you're if you're not gonna, if 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 you tell everyone they're stupid, yeah. or you don't you don't you know um, show them that their opinion matters. You, well, because then they get the feeling they're just why workers. The fuck am I here? Right? right, they're not gonna bring any ideas to the table. They're just gonna be the the watch worker because you're making them the watch worker because they can't contribute anything. Yeah, yeah, no, exactly. Um, so it's kind of a funny round sir. I didn't realize that it's, they were just a watch worker. Um, well, cause now they're expecting to be watched, yeah. right? There's that expectation that, well, yeah. I'm just going to go into work and Tyler's going to have an idea for me. So fuck it. I'll just let him come up with that. Yeah. So I was a shitty boss. I mean, yeah. I thought I was a shitty boss because I didn't let them speak their ideas, but it was because I didn't yeah. let them bring ideas yeah. to the table. Yeah. They couldn't take ownership over anything. Cultivated that environment, yeah. that, that, that atmosphere, that yeah. working atmosphere. 
Um, and so what I've learned um, from my experience, and this is how I deal with grad studies, this is how I deal with people, is I try to not be, I try to, I, when I'm negative, firstly, I'll say when I'm negative and I'm feeling these negative emotions, I, on, I, I only try to be negative to people who I really trust. Um, because if they're not someone who is first like, you know, very understanding of the scenario, they just might think that you're someone who rants all the time. Mm-hmm. Um, so, I, and, but I think you need that outlet. I don't, I don't think you can be positive all the time. No, you need that off end, that cathartic going it's to be punch your, Yeah. Punch your hand through a wall. Um, but <laughs> what you need to do is you need to be to an extent, um, forgiving, mm-hmm. um, and, but how do you, you know, balance all these emotions, as you said, with, um, not coming off as arrogant or, um, not seeming like you're doubtful because those are when, when you're, when you're being very confident and assertive in your ideas and bringing these ideas to the table, that is a, a, a fine line to walk because you can easily go to both those sides. Mm-hmm. And the, what I found is I like setting things up where I make a statement with the, and then I end that statement with, what do you think about that? Mm-hmm. Because I'm making a statement. So I'm saying I'm confident in what I just put forward, Yeah. but what I'm willing think? to get feedback because I think that you might be able to make my idea better. I never thought of it like that. Right. And neither did I yeah. either. Um, and, and, and when you do that, you allow that person you're talking to, to correct or fix or add to your idea. So now they're invested in your idea. Mm-hmm. Well, then they made it their idea. And, 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 and now, and now they, they, they actually, usually they think it's their idea. Yeah. And, and that, and, and their idea could just be, I agree. Yeah. That could be their addition. Yeah. Um, or it could be that they, they do bring something like really interesting to the table. Yeah. You never know. Or, you know, they, they say something that you disagree with. Now, how do you deal with that? Mm-hmm. You say, this is my idea. Um, and they say, well, hold on a sec. I don't think that's the right idea. Um, then you have kind of two scenarios. First, you don't say that you're stupid. That's going to immediately shut everyone off. Oh, yeah. You say... Any denigration is... You, 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 you never... When someone disagrees with you, you never say it's their fault. But never think about it that it's their fault or they're wrong. Or you you're can, stupid. You can't even... Yeah, you can't even say that to their ideas either because people know that. that you, you bring they it... associate themselves with their ideas. Right? And, I think, and I think you told me this at one point. You, you actually bring it to yourself. You say that, well... That is that is a very interesting idea, but I think that we're forgetting about this one thing over here. Or I think that your idea is great. Um, but what do you think about me adding? What do you think about this then? Mm-hmm. Like you have to bring it back to my your own feelings or your own thoughts. Yeah, you can't just say your thoughts are stupid. This yeah. is what I'm going to do. Um, so. I wish I could think of an example off the top of my head. Yeah, me too. But, um, you know, uh, let's say, let's say, actually, I can think of an example off the top of my head. Because it was when I was developing the assay that you work with. Mm-hmm. And so, and so I, I said, um, this, I, I, I want to see if, if, I'm going to try and make this kind of basic for, and I think people can follow along. I, I want to see if this latex particle can get into the cell. 
because um, latex particles, unless there's some sort of specific process, they should not be able to cross a cell membrane. Mm -hmm. They should not be able to get into cells. Mm. Um, it's kind of the idea of if you put, if, if, if something should not be able to get into your stomach unless you eat it. Mm -hmm. Kind of the same thing. Yeah. Um, so I wanted to test if this thing could get into my cell stomach. And I designed this kind of elegant, or, or I, I figured the answer out. And I said, this is, this, this is how you solve this. And then I got told, well, that is an idea that would work. But can you figure out how to um, make it work in with the equipment we have so we don't have to ask someone else for some help? Mm -hmm. And I was pissed. And I said, and because and, I was like, why, what I spent more time about, it, I already figured it out. And it was, their thing was, it was a, I want a, I want a more cost efficient way to do it. So, um, my thing was, well, um, um, so I was kind of mad, but I said, okay, I will, I think you're right. I think if we could make this more cost effective, we will do it. But, but I, but I'll, I'll try to figure it out within 48 hours. And if I do, we'll do it. If not, can we do this other thing? And they said, yeah, because I acknowledge that their idea was a very good thing to put forward. Mm -hmm. And I want to show them, and I don't want to immediately say, your idea is dumb. I've already spent 96 hours figuring this out. It's okay. I'll spend a bit more time on it. So I want to spend more, some more time on it. And I actively did. I didn't just be a dick and just not do anything. Mm -hmm. And because if you, it, because if you could figure it out, unless you're like 100% confident, you can't, if you think you, there is a possibility and you do, that's adding to your, um, ability to bring something new to the table. Mm -hmm. So I came back and I had this and I have the, the kind of the assay that more or less you work with now. And I say, look, this can be done on any microscope and we can just go ahead and do it. And it allows you to diff, it, it, it allows you to make sure that things are in the stomach of the cell. Yeah. And they, and they were like, that's great. Can you make it even cheaper? <laughs> yeah. Can you make the impossible more possible? And, 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 and I said, and I said, and I said, at this point, I am very confident that this is the cheapest way it can work. Um, because look at, look, look at these, look, look at these other, um, ideas. So you're going to make the impossible possible. I, not in this case, because in this case of our, I've, I've already like made the one concession mm -hmm. and I said, okay, look, this is the best I can do. And here, and, and, but so now I'm trying to convince them, but say, I think this is the best I can do. Because if you look at the other options that exist in the world right now, they are literally 10 times or more expensive yeah. than what I'm doing. Yeah. Um, so I took your $1,000 bill down to $100. I don't think, I, I feel confident that, that I spent five days on this. I don't think I can make it cheaper. And it is now the cheapest procedure that we know in our entire lab. Well, like in the world, essentially. Yeah. <laughs> um, so you, 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 so you, so I presented some facts to say that this is why I think that m this is, this is where I'm going to stand my ground. And these are the facts why I think that I can stand my ground here. Yeah. And they were like, okay, you have first shown me that you're willing to accept my idea. You improved upon my idea. I asked you to, do the impossible. And you said, wait, hold on a second. Okay, now you're going too impossible here. And they're like, well, you did, you, you've already, 
you didn't immediately fight me back. Yeah, you, you, you took the my suggestion and went with it a bit. So again, another example today, actually it was this morning. Um, I have this manuscript. I'm very, I'm, like I have this artistic side of me and I, and I was like, you know, you, you know me, all my stuff is colorful, it's aesthetic, yeah. pleasing. All color um, theoried out. Um, everyone, everyone is either like, wow, your, your stuff's beautiful. And the other half are like, science doesn't use color. What do you, what's wrong with you? <laughs> so, so you're, you're, I'm usually fighting that balance. Yeah. Because scientists don't think their stuff can be aesthetically pleasing. Um, but my, my, it's actually funny because I sent, I sent a bad email. I will, I'll admit this. I sent a bad email. I sent two emails back What's to back. What's a bad email? So one of my figures, they said, um, um, I had a graph um, and the graph was two colors. Um, so let's just say it's red and blue. Mm-hmm. And on one of the, on one of the, 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 the graphs, the figures, I said that red means this and blue means this. Because that's how science usually represents it. Yeah. On my other figures, the way that I made them, I didn't need to say red means this, blue means this. But I had red and blue. And there was a huge kind of very specific reason why I could get away with it on other graphs. But on this one, I didn't even think about it. Because everyone on this type of graph says red means this, blue means that. I so like I discussions even... about art. <laughs> so red means this and blue means this. Red, red means this and blue means this. Um, so... I was so I'm so I sent my first email. My first email was really bad. I said, Well, throughout my entire paper, red means this and blue means this. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think I'm very consistent with that across the board. And I think that it helps. Um, I think that it helps uh, add to being able to discuss the paper. Yeah, it gives you another like an additional visual cue or something. Yeah. So so if I make it black and white, for example, I'm just I'm just taking away information. Yeah. I'm just making everything look the same. Grayscale. Um now, and I said, like in my anecdotal evidence, people can discuss my paper a lot easier when I have these colors on there. Mm-hmm. And they understand I've never had some I've had about forty people look at my paper and now at this point, and none of them have said it was confusing. They're like, Oh, I get it. They just because humans just intuitively know color theory, they just don't know they know it. Mm-hmm. Um and so I'm, I'm defending my position and I'm like, wait a sec. I didn't first clarify the question because I realized when I hit the send button that that wasn't the question at all. The, the, the person asked me a poor question first. I will, I will say that. I got asked the, the, the question was, these figures say what red and blue is. These figures do not. What do mm-hmm. you think? And so I told him what I think. The issue is I didn't think about what I thought. I just said what I thought because that was what they asked. Yeah. So I immediately realized, oh, wait. Put your foot I, in your mouth. I, I, I put my foot in my mouth. <laughs> but then I realized if I thought about it for like a literally about a minute longer, like because it was a minute, it was, it was two minutes later I sent the other email. I realized what they, were, what they technically should have asked. They said, now, the question wasn't, these ones have it, these ones don't. What do you think? Let's not use color, which is kind of how it was implied and how it was written. Mm-hmm. What they meant was, why would you explain it on this graph, but not that graph? Mm. And what they were actually, tr- what they didn't, they didn't know how to ask the question because they didn't know what they wanted. Yeah. But what they wanted was, how do you make it consistent throughout? Because you can justify, you can, you don't need to use colors here, but you can use them there. Yeah. Or sorry, you need the legend there to define it, but you don't need it there. That doesn't make any sense. Because I would, I, I would get down to those figures and I'd be, or those graphs and I'd be like, well, why did they explain them here? Not over there. Mm-hmm. That's yeah, interesting. Might mean something different. Who knows? So, so then you, so then you start doubting yourself. Mm-hmm. 
So what I realized is, well, if I just get rid of the legend here and then, because the legend was essentially explaining the red and blue, but in the other graphs, I used text to do it and the colors were just an added bonus, mm -hmm. right? I didn't explain the colors. Yeah. Um, but if you looked at the, the, the X axis, you would find out. So what I did is I just deleted the, I deleted the, the legend in these graphs and I just made the X axis look the same as every other graph. And I said, oh, wow, every graph looks the same. And that was perfect. And now they're like, this is much. And then, and then the response was, yeah, this is much better. You saw my problem. I didn't know what my problem was with it. I just thought it was weird. Yeah, that's a bit of an issue too. Sometimes people don't even know where to start. Like they might see something and they know that there's a problem with it, but they don't necessarily really know how to describe the problem or explain it or, or tell you about it at all. So I think that might be a, a big issue too is, is just the communication. Yeah, and, and, and so like that's another thing where a lot of people, when they're dealing with these companies with this grad school, it's, well, what do you, how do you, what's the other trait you need? You need to make sure that you're comfortable asking clarifying questions mm -hmm. if you don't specifically know what that person wants yeah you it's okay to ask them you're not going to be stupid because you and you don't say it well what do you mean that's a dumb way to say it you say you you first explain i think that this is what you mean is that what you mean just so we're on the same page very clear cut yeah because then you're not saying well you didn't explain that right you're saying this is this is how i interpreted that it's like, uh, did I interpret that correctly? Yeah, it's like written and, and verbal communication skills, right? Um, they're so important. And like, I notice like a lot of people in like debates and stuff like that, when they're actually trying to be constructive and get to a point, they usually do like the steel man procedure and they try to like clarify in their own words, in their own terms, like, do I understand this fully and completely? And that's like kind of the way that they. It helps you to communicate better. And, and so if you're not willing to ask those questions, if you're not willing to clarify, well, is this what you mean by that? Then, yeah, no, exactly. Then you're not going to have a successful working environment or relationships or anything like that. So going on with that, one thing I notice is when, when people lack that skill, it's where they stay in the wrong. Because what they do is they create a negative work environment because what you do is you, you 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 listen to what they say and you think you know what they say or you know they you know what they said but it's stupid mm -hmm. and so what you do is you just storm out the room and you go complain to everyone else that this person's dumb but then usually you have one of two options one they either are dumb and they just you know they they're fallible they they can be yeah, wrong. they're people um and, you're you're probably dumb too and, and you're not letting them for do general it. you <laughs> or or the other hand um you didn't understand what they said. Mm -hmm. And now you're freaking out. You're so mad. You're like, oh, I have to redo everything. But you didn't clarify what the actual problem was. You just, you just, you think you know what the problem is. But really, maybe, maybe the problem you think it is, is not the actual problem. Like I did with my yeah. emails. Yeah. My problem wasn't them telling me to get rid of color. It was your, how you're presenting the information inconsistent. Make it the same. So it's like self-awareness is a big, it's a big tool big thing too then it seems almost because if you're not kind of aware of of um how you're approaching these situations and how you're affecting other people then you just really quickly can destroy any situation yeah so yeah and i think go on and i think that these are like i can you think of any other traits i think those like five or six traits that we went over are essentially the same in corporate the same in entrepreneur and the same in grad studies. Just, and I think those are the main traits you need. Yeah, I don't just think general. What are there? I, like, I can't even think. Like, don't be an asshole. 
Don't be cutthroat. Be oh, confident. Here's the, here's the other one. Here's the other one. Um, there's actually one more. Okay. Um, do not, do not overcommit. Um, oh, but that can look really cool though. If you overcommit and then the you, thing. and here's, then you pull it all off. Here's the thing. <laughs> Undercommit and overperform. Yeah. Because if you overcommit and you don't mess and you don't hit that mark, That's that looks point. terrible. That's good if you say, if, if you, if you, if you kind of throw out there the meeting expectation mark mm-hmm. and then you blow it out of the park yeah you did the same amount of work but it looks like you did better because they thought they were going to get less yeah no just undersell yourself just chronically just like well i might be able to get one shows up with 10 <laughs> exactly <laughs> no it's, it's definitely that's a way to kill expectations and not set yourself up for failure and that's and, definitely a good point yeah and, and, and like if you like you know that a lot of people think it's like they 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 promise everything they promise everything and they can't do anything that looks so bad mm-hmm. same especially thing especially when it becomes like chronic like you do it like two or three times yeah. and then an employer is just going to look at you or, or anyone even colleagues at that point are just going to be like what like come on like meet your deadlines yeah or it's like you know when when well, and youtubers like also fall for this where they're like i'm going to i have this cool project we're going to we're going to we're going to do it Never announce something before you actually have it done. Mm-hmm. Because if you miss that, people are just going to be like, oh, he's saying something and it's not going to happen again. Yeah. And it looks really bad. And so those qualities, I, I can't well, think of like, another one. That's almost a credibility issue, right? Yeah. So it's like, uh, yeah, you, you lose your credibility if you don't meet your expectations and deadlines. Um, yeah, I can't really think of any other ones off the top of my head. That, But... So, yeah, definitely like finding that work-life balance is, is crucial. And I would say the best way to do that is to just max uh, limit your hours yeah. that you devote to work or a- anything. And then you also kind of all would need to make sure that you're not just wasting your time when you're like, don't just go to sleep when you're not at work, get a hobby or do something. Yeah. Like you can sleep for seven, eight hours well, a day and then, you know, five hours, go work out, go cook, go do something else. Well, but have that work-life balance. Go for a walk. Do anything. Here's the thing. That, that stuff outside school that you're doing, that's your, that is also part of your added value. Because you're going to be in better spirits. You mm-hmm. might even create something that is going to help everyone as a whole. Like maybe you're doing some entrepreneurial stuff on the side. Yeah. If you do that, you're, you, can now, you can now bring, you know, if, may, maybe your entrepreneurial stuff has something to do with what your job is. Well, what you're essentially kind of doing is because, you know, this company working on is something to do with my job. I can now promote my job mm-hmm. and you're, and you're bringing added value. If you, if, if you take care of yourself and you go to the gym and you, and you, or you spend time cooking, so you're not eating fast food, you'll have higher energy. Um, you'll be more aware and awake. So you won't make mistakes. Yep. The, those are all added value that your employer doesn't know, but you are bringing added value to these things. Yeah. It's really important to, to exercise that self-care. That's a hundred percent. And if you don't give uh, a lot of time to to yourself in the day, then yeah, definitely you'll you'll end up burning out like that. Yeah. And 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 so I think with you know if if we if we lump in you know that work life balance that hard cut into that added value because mm-hmm. I think it can fit there. I think that that basically, to me, it says well if these traits are effective in a real world job. They're also effective in grad school. Yeah. That is a very convincing argument to say that grad school is a job. Well, yeah. Yeah, that's I, – I think it is. Because you think can it's... learn – here's the thing. People say, no, it's school because it's under a university. Yeah. 
That's just a semantic technicality, right? That's a semantic technicality because what that implies is that they're, they're saying it's a school where you learn and you're here to learn and we're paying you this wage. Well, guess what? On a job, you're still learning. Yeah, exactly. Not, if you if you ever – that's – I think that would be the six – or are we at seven points at this point? I think we're at seven. I would say if you're not willing to be a continual learner, which is kind of maybe why I, I said initially you need to read outside of – uh, outside of your work, you need to learn because if you're not willing to be a continual learner, if you're not always willing to, to almost challenge your brain to, to come up with, you know, better ideas and, and, and you're, you're challenging the existing ideas that you had, if you're not willing to do that in your work or life or school, then I think you're essentially lost and you won't be happy. You won't find that fulfillment. You'll be complacent. You'll be the rung on the ladder. Yeah. Because you're not learning to become the next oh, that's rung good. on the Yeah, ladder. you will become the rung and someone will just hop up over you. So for anyone who says that grad school is not a job, I think you're absolutely ridiculous. You're, you're, you're using that as a, as a crutch mm-hmm. just because – you're at a, quote, school when you're doing that. That was philosophical. I don't, like, I'm basically just saying, like, if you bring those seven qualities to your job mm-hmm. or, and, and, and to your graduate studies, I think that you will be, you won't have find issue or difficulty. You'll find it challenging, but that doesn't mean it's difficult. Mm-hmm. So I, I, I think I actually... Well, it, if, if something isn't difficult, like if you're comfortable, then you're not you're not going to be happy anyways. Like I don't think that if you're if you're just sitting and you're in comfort all the time, then then you're not doing something right. You're not putting yourself in a position where you can succeed. Like slight tangent, but one of the reasons why Greece was so powerful back in the day was because they were in one of the worst places ever and they had this idea of like competition and you gotta you gotta work to to do that and you gotta be and they were really uncomfortable like greece isn't isn't the best place when you're trying to start an empire like it'd probably be better to be like i don't know italy or somewhere warm i don't know but greece sucked it was big island chain and so yeah they they had this this continual discomfort and it and it it hones your steel to be sharper in the end, in the long run. The more that you are, are in these uncomfortable situations, the better that you're going to do in the long run. So get uncomfortable. It's fine to be uncomfortable. Grad school is hard, but don't spend a ton of time on it. And, 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 and I, I, I want to just add, there's a reason why I use the word difficult versus challenging. Because hard, like... Because difficulty, I think. Of, I think when I think of the word difficulty, and this is this is how I make the analogy. Difficulty is like a video game. Mm-hmm. You have easy, normal, hard, some other levels depending on what game you're on. But usually, it's classically e- easy, normal, hard. And hard. Or there's like hardcore or legend. <laughs> yeah. Or if it's doom, it's you're gonna die. Yeah. <laughs> Absolutely no way. <laughs> um, and it, but if you but if you set the difficulty to hard. That doesn't necessarily – all that really – like say if you're playing a, a, a shooting game, mm-hmm. what does that usually – what does hard usually do? It just basically means that you have more enemies. And they and shoot it, back faster and they more They shoot accurate. back faster, more <laughs> accurate. They require more bullets to kill. However, by completing something on hard, you're going to complete the same story. You're going to do the same goals. Mm-hmm. You're going to do the same thing. It's just hard. Yeah. Whereas something that is challenging 
that is that that is you just not arbitrarily kind of making it harder or easier. A challenge is something where you have to sit there and you have to think about mm-hmm. what to do next. It's like a puzzle. Um, it's a doable puzzle, and and it it just requires you to think, not passively do the same thing. So again, in hard, you're you're doing the same. Like if you're playing a video game, you're doing the same controls. You just have to do them a little quicker now. Do them a little quicker or do them a little bit more. Yeah. Um, whereas when you're challenging, you're, 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 you have to, you, you aren't using the same controls. You have to do, you have to figure out a different control you have to do to figure out this thing. Different techniques or whatever you name it. Yeah, no, that's a good analogy for that. So I, I, I think that if you have these seven things, you will stop finding grad school or your job or your whatever hard. Mm-hmm. But that doesn't mean that it's not going to be challenging. Yeah. And, but a challenge should not stress you out or make you, um, um, or make you miserable unless, you know, unless that's not what you need to be. A challenge just requires you to sit back, step, take a step back and think about what you have to do next. Yeah. Reassess. Tyler, you make excellent points. (laughs) Thank you, Teo. Um, so ultimately I think that I'm comfortable saying across the board, these seven traits, that's what you need to do to be successful and subsequently happy and in positive spirits, uh, mm-hmm. to do grad school, to in your job, in your life, in life, a very in general. general statement. Yeah. That was philosophical. Tay, you got anything to add to that? Thermodynamics. <laughs> I mean, on. you're using thermodynamics in science. You're not yeah. wrong, Tay. No, it's, a, it's, a it's a good point, thermodynamics. So who's, who's, uh, who's winding us out of here? Um, who's winding us out of this topic? Is that you, Gunner? Uh, you can you can do it or 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 tail. Do you want to rant us out? Well, as you were saying that um, just now, I, I was I was I was, um, I was reminded of a really exciting, really exciting uh, definition from uh, my uh, topology class back from my mathematics undergrad. And the definition is is as follows. Well, okay, first the, the definition is the definition of a topology, which is which is a very powerful concept. And, um, well, uh, let me, let me just tell you about it first and then, and, and then, and then maybe you guys can discuss it because I think it'd be very, very interesting to discuss. Um, now a, a topology on a set X is a collection tau of subsets of X called the open sets. Now in the book that I'm reading, open sets is italicized. So that should tell you that it's, that's, you know, open sets is an important thing to be thinking about when you're talking about topologies. And it's true. I found that to be the case when I took my topology class in my mathematics undergraduate class. Now, uh, I lost my place, so I'll have to repeat myself. Now, Crunch, crunch, I don't want no lunch, all I want is potato chips.